no event planner has really sat down with a developer and been like, this is exactly how our mind works. It's more developers create things for us and are like, here you go. So this is kind of like the first thing, I guess, that's been created by an event planner, like for event planners in the tech industry, I would say. You're listening to Blossoming Technologist, a podcast for young professionals in tech, discovering skills, careers, and tips for being in the tech industry. I'm your host, Marissa, and today we're joined by Alexandria Tomeko, the founder of Little Black Book Series, an app built to bridge the gap between destination event planners and venues. During the pandemic, Alexandria started building a no-code solution for her company's web application, which has served as a proof of concept to investors and clients alike. In this episode, we discuss why no-code is a great solution for new applications. We talk about how to get started, and Alexandria explains some of the struggles of learning how to build an app this way, but how awesome it can truly be. Listen to also hear how no code is a solution for both developers and non-developers. Let's jump in. Alexandria, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you on this episode of Blossoming Technologist. I actually want to start with a different question than I usually do, because I usually ask how people first got interested in the tech industry, but you kind of have an interesting background. So before we get into your tech journey, um, I want to know what do you do as an experience coordinator and maybe share a little bit about your background. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I have been a experience coordinator for about 15 years. So basically it's like a level up from event planner. So I was a wedding planner, destination wedding planner for a while. So kind of anything under the sun I've done in planning. And if I haven't planned it, I wouldn't be surprised and I would know how to plan it. So conferences, incentive trips, everything in between. So I kind of gave myself that title about three years ago of experience coordinator because there's event planners and then those who actually like plan and create an experience for the attendees. That's really what it, what it means and and who I am. (laughs) Okay, cool. And then you're here to talk about tech a little bit. So I want to ask about your tech journey and what first got you interested in the tech industry. To be honest, I was never interested in the tech industry. (laughs) I would run. And this morning I was actually debating whether to tell that story, but I think I will to encourage those who are thinking about it. I am not a tech person and this is really embarrassing. So I'm going to be vulnerable here. I don't even know the name of it, but basically like the Wi-Fi thingy is what I call it. Um, I had a computer that did not have like back in the day when they just came out, it didn't have like USB ports or like a CD port. And basically the program that controls the Wi-Fi connection, I deleted that. Okay. So basically I messed up my computer. I called like the tech support and they're like, how, why, why would you do, how did you do that? Like no one has ever done that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. My computer said I hadn't used it in a while. So I like cleared it. (laughs) So that's how tech savvy I am. So I never really wanted to be in tech. And then it kind of just came about with, you know, lockdown and COVID and really like idle hands. When I'm bored, I start projects that I really shouldn't have started and it's because I'm bored, (laughs) but I'm a very curious mind. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, let's look at this. So that's kind of how I got into the tech and 
I was sharing with you before, I have cried multiple times during this journey and complained and be like, why, why, why would I like, you know, self-conversations and self-topic, why would you do this? Like who thought this was going to be a good idea? So yeah, never really interested in it. A lot of respect for developers, but now I have a better understanding and I'm actually grateful for the journey and the understanding because like I can sit at a table of developers and kind of understand what they're talking about, which is a blessing, right? People are like, wow, you know so much. I'm like, not really. (laughs) I just like looked at the dictionary for a while, you know? Yeah, yeah. To catch up our audience a little bit on who you are and why it was so important for you to kind of get into tech. Um, You're the founder of the Little Black Book series. So could you talk a little bit about what that is and how that relates to the tech industry? Yeah, so we are a marketplace app a web-based app right now currently that basically bridges the gap between destination event planners and venues to help them with sourcing, contracts, negotiation, all of those things. For those who don't know a lot about the event industry, we have like a lot of tech has come in because of virtual events and things like that, but really planners themselves, we're not super tech savvy and we don't really rely on tech. So even though there's a lot of SaaS for our industry, really we we like to plan analog. Like I still plan analog. I still have binders that have like color coded tabs and that makes me happy, right? Like Asana, Trello, all of that. I'm like, oh, it's so annoying, right? And really it's because no event planner has really sat down with a developer and been like, this is exactly how our mind works. It's more developers create things for us and are like, here you go. So this is kind of like the first thing, I guess, that's been created by an event planner, like for event planners in the tech industry, I would say. That's awesome. You utilize no code for your app, correct? (laughs) Yes. It's so funny because like no code, it sounds so easy, right? And that's how they got me. They're like, oh yeah, you can turn that into the app. Just use no code. Super simple. I was like, okay. Yeah, no, it's not. It's definitely not. There's like a huge learning curve. Again, a lot of tears and frustrations. So no code is basically... You're not writing, so you don't learn the language. And so you don't have to write. It's not JavaScript or anything like that. But basically in the user phase, what you're using, it's like a drag and drop. But there's still the complexity of behind the scenes. You have to activate like what they call workflows. So basically the logic still has to be there, right? And so developers have a different thought process to understand that, right? So it's really like retraining that thought process. Like if this happens, then that happens. And if this doesn't happen, then this needs to happen, right? And like putting that in the back end, as well as data storage and making sure that you're storing all the inputs that they're putting in and then being able to spit them out on another page. So for your specific use case, you're working with event coordinators and they're using your app, but the the actual no code, that's your team building out the app. It's not the event coordinators using the no code, correct? Yes. <clears throat> so we use no code, which is a platform. There's many, many now different no code. It's really like making an effort to disrupt the coding industry. I think that's in a way a good thing because it makes it accessible to everyone. And then it also helps bridge still within coding that gap between developers and people's expectations, right? Because even before I started no code, I'd be like, yeah, let's make this and do this and do that. And And then I'll be like, you know, in a board meeting, I'll talk about all these things. I'm like, let's do this stuff and this and this. And then like, I'll go in to do it. And I was like, who thought to do that? Like whoever was doing it is fired. And they're like, it was you. And I was like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've decided it's too hard. So it really like helps to bridge that gap and like set expectations and provide a better understanding so that you can also better communicate with developers. So at one point, we know that we'll have to exit no code, probably not super future, but exit no code and have a developer. But then basically we give them a template that says, this is exactly what we want. Like, this is what we beta tested. This is what like our MVP looks like. This is what we've done. This is what is working. Replicate this, right? So then they can really estimate, you know, the biggest challenge I find in tech is sometimes not even the developer knows how long things are going to take. And so they estimate one thing and then you're like, wait, you've been working on it a month. And they're like, yeah, once we got in there, it was like, you know, two more months and X amount more money. Right. And that's like, the thing, like the length of time, the budget, it just keeps on like rolling, right? It's like building a house. Like once you start, you can't stop until it's done. And I think that's the primary fear and what keeps a lot of people out of tech and definitely what frustrates a lot of people in tech from what I found in my experience. Okay. So it sounds like you're kind of using no code as like a tool to then communicate like what you would need as an event coordinator to then developers who would then build out the app. Yes. And so it is a functioning app and it's really in a way just to like really prove and get the data for investors, for us as a company to see, okay, is this actually working? I mean, I would use the app and will use the app as a planner, but we still have to test it in the market. So I think no code is a great way to have an MVP and test um, because a lot of people make the mistake. And, you know, one of my friends out here, he had like sunk like, you know, $200,000, $300,000 into an app. And he hadn't even like done MVP or beta tested. So we're having a conversation and he's like, I have to put like another 30 grand into the app to beta test. And I was like, what? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, how did you go about it? I'm like, I've spent $0. I've spent like a lot of tears and wine and research time, the $0. I mean, I guess the, the price of the wine and tissues. But I was like, you know, like, then we beta tested like the MVP and then we're like, okay, this needs to be changed. This needs to be changed. But before you have a viable product, you know, you have to, you have to test it first. Cause if not, you go down that rabbit hole, it takes a really long time. It takes a lot of money. But I think no code is a great solution to bridge that gap of saying like, you know, this is a framework and what I want. And I want it to look like this versus I feel like a lot of people go to their developers and are like, make me something. And they're like, okay. And then they make something they're like, that's not it. And they're like, yeah, but you didn't give me a basis or like a true understanding of what functionalities you need, you know, what design you need, what customer experience you need. So I think it's a really great tool that most of them you can use and play around with for free. And then once you go to launch, you can pay, but also the payment like monthly is, you know, $150, $200 versus $250,000, right? Like what you're paying a developer. That's awesome because I'm currently a developer. And when we build products, uh, we usually have a designer build out like prototypes, but they're not interactive. You know, they're not like a real thing that you can use and we can test with users besides getting like an initial look and feel kind of thing. So that's really awesome that you can actually bring it to real experience coordinators and be like, Hey, what do you think this app get feedback and then go to the developers and actually spend all of that money on building out the real app. So when you're using no code, what are the applications that you use? Um, Like maybe the one that you use or what are some other ones that you're familiar with? Yeah. So with my journey, I started with glide 
So that was the easiest. And that's, and that's how they suckered me in. Like I swear it was, it's most event planners know their way around an Excel, right? So this was the pitch. It was like, you take an Excel of information, you upload it and it makes an app. Like you drag and drop an app. And I was like, Oh, I have that Excel, you know, it's like sold. Let's do this. I did it. It was easy. You know, it took like a week to like figure it out. And I was like, this is great. So that was our MVP. So Glide is really great. Um, the problem is, and I've actually, you know, emailed back and forth with the, the founder and been like, you know, there's not a lot of search functionalities. So if you're making like a really simple community app, database, like for your company within, it's a really great tool to use. But for us, we have, you know, currently we have about 115 hotels. We're expanding into another edition or country. And our plan is to have, you know, a couple thousands. And so we need to be able to filter. We need to be able to search. We need to be able to do certain things to interact that just Glide doesn't have. So from there, we made the step to bubble. I don't really like to research. I'm going to say that. Like, I like data. I love data. I love to see charts and things and comparisons, but I don't like to like search to see what it is, right? So I have a bunch of friends who did all of that. And they're like, I've researched, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts. Like Bubble's the best option is what they say. So Bubble is where the tears started. <laughs> and it took about six months to figure it out. And still sometimes like, I'm like, we're launched, quote unquote, right? Like we can go into beta, the second beta. But really there's things that like the other day I went to hit live. I was like changing something, talking to my partner, went to hit live. And it's like, you can't hit live because of this. And I still didn't know what that was. And like the tears were streaming again. I was like, why? And so Bubble is definitely more complex. It definitely has a learning curve. There's a couple of courses that people recommend that are like, you know, $15 to get started that are really great to have a base. And once you have a base, you can do a lot of things with it. So other companies like AirDev. So there's a lot of other companies that are developers that have created plugins for Bubble, right? So AirDev created one called Canvas. And that one actually helps with the design and the customer experience. So Bubble is very like, I would imagine like wire framework, right? Like the functionalities is there, but the design is not there. And the owners are aware of that, the founders, but they're more like, we want something that's really functional. So if you have a background or an understanding of design, that's great. But basically it's like, you can use a grid and like, you have to like lock it in and measure everything for it to actually look good. Right. And so there's a tool called open build. And that one's like, if you're already far along, then you can import for example, like search bars or chat bubbles or things like that, where you don't have to actually like create the color code and like the exact dimensions and make it that way. Right. Um, Canvas, if you start right off the bat with that, there's also another, you know, learning curve that's basically they're like just not to break it. You know, they teach you not to break Canvas. That's that's what everybody says. They're like it basically it's learning not to break it so that it works for you. And then that just is layered on top of bubble. And yeah, that's like basically if you have a drop down menu, like it will move everything. The colors are set. It does the coloring all across the board. The sizing is exactly the same for everything. They have, you know, profile like preview things, all of that. So there's other like add-ons with Bubble and really like you can have up to about 100,000 users in Bubble. So it's a really great option where you can stay with that app function. Like it's a fully functional app for 
you know, two, three, five years as you're scaling. And then like, as you're scaling, you're having a running app and then you can start with developers because sometimes apps take a year, two years, you know, six months, like it really depends. So it's a great option to have. If it's working, it's tested. You can be making money while you take that money and reinvest it into a developer actually creating and coding the app for you. What do you think the benefit is of people using no code versus building it themselves? Yeah. So like if we're talking about developers, then if you can develop it, you might as well develop it, right? Mm -hmm. If you're talking about like regular people like myself, I think it's a great bridge to like get your toes wet and to have something that's functional with a low overhead, right? So that's like the benefit that I see of, it takes out a lot of the fear, a lot of the financial fear. Like for me, it was really, I don't want to invest $250,000 to see if something's going to work, right? Like that's usually what we face. So it's a great option to just test and then be like, okay, if not, you know, I threw a couple hundred dollars on it. It didn't work. Let's wrap it up and go, right? So if, you know, a lot of tech usually takes on investors, so it's a great thing to show investors. And that's actually how I got one of my advisors and investors. He's like, if you would have told me that you were building it out, he's like, the reason I went with you was because you had no code, because it was a very lean option to operate it. And it was a very smart move to see if it actually works. And then based on that, then we can develop. He's like, but there's no need. And there's one point where I was like, okay, maybe we just pay a developer. And like, if we're already going to pay another developer, like a no-code developer, let's just pay another developer and like, just do the whole thing. He's like, no. He's like, if we do that, like, we're just going to like sink a bunch of money and time into it. He's like, we need to see if it works first. So I think it's a great bridge because so many people do it the opposite way and are out a lot of money and then get like really butthurt from tech, right? That's like one of the issues. Like they sink a lot of money. It didn't work. And because they either didn't test the market before or they didn't like develop the functionalities fast enough. Coding as tech moves so fast. So I think it's a great way to, you know, you need something done. The founder themselves can learn how to do it without, you know, having to learn to, you know, write JavaScript or anything like that. And they can go in and change it. Right. So I like the fact that I still have remained in control of my app, that if I need something done, I can go in the back end and fix it. Right. It might take me an hour, a couple of tissues with tears, but we, we get it done. <laughs> Yeah. And that's really cool. Cause then it's like your idea as the founder can really be implemented. Like as soon as you think of it or show it to investors, show it to developers, whatever, get it out there and test it. And then if people are interested in getting started with no code, how do you recommend people go about that? I would say go for the happy medium right away. So I would like, I back a bubble for sure. It's not a paid plug. (laughs) I just, I like them even though they've made me like sleepless nights. And then I just go for the course. So there's actually a Udemy course that's on bubble, which is like the basics, which teaches you how to store data, how to stack data, how to have workflows work. Right. So especially because it was a little bit easier, I would say for me, because I have a logistical brain because of planning, but people don't typically think if this, then they're like action, right? Like we get in the car, but it's like, you have all these steps to get to the car, right? Like as a developer that developers see and understand and know and have worked and either, they either have that thinking from the beginning or you have to learn how to think that way. Right. So it will help you to map out that thinking like, Oh, okay. And Bubble is like very literal, right? So it's like, 
a word is off or it's plural, you know, it, like it just has to be sensical and like literal, which is it's helpful, right? If like, you're a left brain person, it's very helpful. From there, I would go into Canvas. And then that right away will just eliminate the issues with design. Like I didn't discover Canvas until I was too far in, meaning I would have to basically redo all of the work that I had worked six months on to then put it on Canvas, right? Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> Especially because it's like, you know, we have, you know, we have a profile. And actually I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, I feel how underappreciated developers are because like I show people, I'm like the app, it's launched. And I like show people and it's basically like a search page for a bunch of profiles. And like, there's, you know, a chat box and everything else, but it like seems super simple where it's like, oh, like you worked a year on this. And I'm like, but you don't understand, you know? And like, we have the whole back end where it's like, we onboard hotels and it takes them a while. And like, just that form took like a month to make. I feel like it's really interesting to me because I think no code is almost a good stepping stone to like really understand computer science, understand programming. Um, Cause you're mentioning like how you have to think logically and like think like a developer. So I feel like if anyone is interested in like becoming a developer, trying out no code might be a good way to like get some of those skills and get the brain working in the same way a developer does. For sure. And learning those like little complexities of it and also like the timing piece, right? Because like so many times, like even simple things where I'm like, let's change a color. I'm like, yeah, that's easy. And then like three hours later, I'm like, who decided to change this color? You know, <laughs> you again. <laughs> you again. And it's like my alter ego pops in and has like these brilliant ideas. And then I'm the one stuck doing the grunt work. I'm like, wait. Um, well, my alter ego is just like, you know, somewhere off in the distance having champagne, like, yay, colors. Yeah. So I think it's a great, a great option. It's uh, definitely a more affordable option, I would say. And what I really love and wanted to mention is the community of no code. I mean, I'm not sure about like the developer communities. Like I lived with two developers and they were great, but it was still, you know, they like properly code. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I have an app too. And they're like, okay. Um, no, they were really nice. But the community is really great. So I'm in a bunch of Facebook groups and communities. And usually like I'll post a question and within an hour we have an answer. Or I've had multiple people through this journey, like hop on without asking for anything in return and like do a Zoom. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Open it up. Like let's, you know, share your screen. Let's fix it. And like, just go in and help me. Like it's helped me leaps and bounds, right? Because maybe it's something that I'm stuck on and like, I'm watching tutorials. I'm reading all the documentation. I'm trying all the things. And it's just like not working. And then they like hop on a zoom and they're like, yeah, it's just that right there. But it, it definitely fosters an understanding. Um, and the community is really great, especially in bubble. There's a bunch of different no code communities. There's other programs and softwares for sure as well. But I really like bubble it seems like there's a lot of room to grow is what I like about it. Right. And so like, you can have a hundred thousand users, like, I don't know about all these other developers, but it takes some time. Like I do a bit of marketing as well. It takes some time to get like a hundred thousand users. So there's a lot of room to grow of like two, maybe three years, which is great in tech because then you can like be making money, like hit the ground money, making money, even if it's like $5 for whatever it is that then you can save and reinvest into your company. So I think it's really wise financially, educationally, it's great. It's so like I said before, I can sit at the table with the big boys and talk about that. And they're like, oh, you're a developer. I'm like, no, no code. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like the biggest secret. 
Yeah, it is. It's great, right? And especially like I'm, I developed it in Bali, right? So there's a lot of like developers here. And so like for, at first it would be like, they would start talking about tech and stuff. And I was like, uh, my eyes would like glaze over. And now I'm like, oh yeah, MVP. Da, 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 da. And they're like, wow. And I'm like, I know, no code. Great. You need like a sweatshirt that just says like, oh yeah, no code. <laughs> no code. I actually talked to someone who was a CTO of this big kind of like Airbnb kind of style thing. I don't think I can say more about it. And I was telling him, I was like, I think I just need to keep it a secret, like from developers that I did this no code because like, I feel like I cheated. And he's like, what? He's like, if you were able to do that in no code, he's like, that's amazing. You need to be like screaming that from the rooftops. I'm like, oh, they won't like, for a while I was like, can I actually gain respect of developers that are doing the work and studied for like what, three to five years to learn this. And then I just came in, I'm like, no code, six months, you know? Yeah, people are really impressed. I think also for developers that already write code, no code would be really easy to learn. And it's a great option to sit there and like, you know, give a prototype to a client, right? Oh, you want this? Like you could whip it up in like a month, maybe, or three weeks versus, you know, six months that it would take to actually do and then like present it and say, okay, this is the functionalities. This is how it works. This is basically the design that we're working on. And then them say, yes. And then move forward, right? And it just helps with that kind of communication because so many times you go through all of this work to present something and they're like, no, I don't like that. I didn't want it that way. And you're like, what? What do you mean? Like, this is so many hours of my work. And so, yeah, I think that's a great option for developers as well to learn. I think it also speaks to like the tech industry and how um, I feel like a lot of people will pick up different maybe programming languages or just bits of tech, maybe how to build a certain application or how to do no code and stuff like that. It's really just a testament of your dedication to just building something and getting it out there. So yeah, it's very impressive. And I think you should be shouting it from the rooftops. <laughs> yeah, I'll shout a little bit more. <laughs> I was actually curious because you have mentioned that there have been challenges here and there. What would you say? You're like, yes. Um, what would you say was the biggest challenge you had with no code? I think it was more on a personal level, to be honest. Like I am a very curious person. I love to learn. Like just yesterday, I bought like two more courses on like some woo-woo like stuff, you know, therapies to learn to do. And I'm like, I just want to have that in my toolbox. I just like knowing about things. So I think the frustration was really like, I'm like, okay, I have a very logistical mind. You know, my Excels are set up basically in that way. And like, as an event planner, you have to play like, if this happens, then this happens, but it's more of a linear planning. It's not like, what if it doesn't happen, then you have to take this other route. So I think it was just more frustration of how, how long it was taking me to learn it. Right. And like, I'm like, okay, I got it. And then I do it. And it was like not working. And I'm like, but why? You know, I actually only cried like twice during this process, just so you guys know I'm not a crybaby. <laughs> um, but yes, it definitely like frustrated and like grunting in my office for sure. So I think that was the biggest thing. And then once I, I found a community and like that support, I think that was it. It was like, I felt very frustrated because. I felt like I wasn't advancing and like I wasn't getting it. And I felt very alone, you know, because not everyone was not everyone's doing no code. Right. So like no code is a thing here because there's a bunch of digital nomads here in Bali that like are all about 
quick fixes and hacks and things. But, you know, in the States, it's not really talked about. Like, no code bubble has been around for 12 years, you know? And it's just something that popped up on my radar that said, like, I wasn't in the tech industry. But it's something that, like, even within my friends circle that, you know, have tech things that were like developing SaaS, they had no idea about this either, right? So it's more in Asia and other places that it's used. So I think if I hadn't been in Bali, I wouldn't have come across it and I wouldn't have an app, right? I'd still be an experienced coordinator with no work because of COVID. I think that was it. Like I felt very alone. I felt very frustrated with the learning curve. But now that I found a community, other people to talk about it with and kind of just have gotten better. Those have been the biggest problem issues that I've had. I mean, it really speaks to how much you believe in it and how much you still enjoy it because even though you've had these challenges, like you're still going through it, you're still doing no code. Like you believe in it so much that despite the tissues and the tears and all that, you keep going forward. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. I guess I'm also thinking of sites like WordPress, for example. I don't know if you've ever used that or like Weebly or one of those sites where you like build your own website. Mm-hmm. How would something like that be different from using something like no code? I've developed a bit of WordPress. I usually use like a plugin, right? So like with WordPress, the one that we had, we were using Elementor. So it like is it, it makes it a drag and drop, right? I think it's mainly like the workflows of like if they press this button, like charge their credit card. If and like they're they can be more customized, I think, versus WordPress is what I would compare it to. The other thing is it's just more flexible. Like WordPress, it's like a standing page. Like with Bubble, there is the opportunity that if you if you basically stack everything on one page, right? Like best practice, and you just have things pull from there, then you can wrap it and put it in that store. So it can be a downloadable app as well versus just a web pace. My target usually will be web-based. When event planners plan and search, we do it from our computer. We don't do it from our iPad or, well, sometimes iPad, but we don't do it from our phone. So there's not really a reason to have a downloadable app because our target doesn't use it in that manner. But if someone did have like an Airbnb app or like a similar Uber app, I know someone out here in Bali who's doing kind of like a food delivery service app and like a menu app, like all of those you would need on your phone and you can. So there's a lot of different flexibility of like where you want to take it and what you want to do with it versus I feel like WordPress and Weebly, you're, you're more limited with what's what's possible. Yeah, I think so. Um, I've used WordPress for a very limited time, but from what you were showing, it does seem like there's more functionality built in. Um, it's also really cool, like looking at that as a developer where I'm currently doing a lot of front end work and in, for example, React, there are components that you can use from different libraries, um, where you can like grab an alert button or a checkbox or something, and then you don't have to code it yourself. For me, I do have to like put the code into the actual application, but kind of like a similar concept. So, I mean, once you, you learn, it's very adaptable. And this is speaking from someone who like doesn't know code and then goes into no code, right? It's like, very adaptable. Anything can be made with that. But then that's, I think, almost the the downside is like when I first opened it, it's like basically like a blank page, right? So you're like, what do I do? And like design wise, right? Like I suffered a bit and like a bit of my frustration was being an event planner. We're very left-brained, but we're kind of like unicorns where 
the way plan on excels and all this kind of stuff and like it's all writing and then when it comes off the page into reality design wise and aesthetically it's very pleasing whatever we create so that was kind of difficult for me because it was like I was creating it in the structured way that I'm used to but then design wise I was like oh that is awful (laughs) like who would even that is gross And like, and it was really because it was like, you know, a blank page. So I'm like, okay, how do I like actually line things up? And, you know, event planners, we take ideas and examples and then give them to people and they create storyboards. And I'm like, okay, make this to the florist. And then that's done. And then we, and then we can like composite it together kind of with no code. It was kind of like blank and you have to like make every single component to then make it work together, like design wise, aesthetically. And then also functionally where I was like, oh, so but it's great. No code. <laughs> <laughs> the theme of the episode, no code. Um, okay. So I have a few final questions I want to do that aren't related to no code kind of just for you. So what is one skill besides no code that you're currently working on? If I were to say like the one thing that came out of tech, it was like patience. For me, it was very challenging being an event planner. We set a date and a deadline and it is achieved at all costs, right? Like if not before that deadline. And with no code, it was like, I would give buffer time, but like, I didn't know how much buffer time to give. And then like the other day I was having a board meeting and they're like, so when is it going to be ready? I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't even know anymore. I was like, I keep on giving a deadline and that it's like, it doesn't exist. I was like, everyone ignores it. So I'm just, it will be ready when it's ready. And they're like, Alex, I'm like, I am defeated right now. Okay. (laughs) So really patience, right. And that like flexibility that like, it's okay for things to take time. Right. And like that within that, like that fear, you know, fear of like failure, but fear of success. Like, okay. Now after I've like worked on something like, between me and my team of like a very small amount of people now it's out in the world and people are going to criticize it. So I think patience and like the, the fear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to the tech industry. You need a lot of patience for it. One final question to wrap up the episode, where can listeners find you online if they want to connect and maybe learn about no code from you? So the app is blackbookseries.com blackbookseries.com. And then I would say I can share and so you can put it in the notes. My LinkedIn is a great way to reach me and you can just send me a connection request, send me a message. I'm on there consistently. And yes, if you do want to learn <laughs> no code, um, I'm always open to hopping on calls, like doing a Zoom, like sharing information because like I, I am wherever you are starting, right? Like I've been there, done that, cried that. So you know, it will, it would be my pleasure to help and pass it along, especially since so many people helped me get moving forward. Um, and then I would also say, if you are interested in no code, you know, looking at different options, I think bubble is a great option, but don't just, you know, take my word for it, like research a bit more. And then also going into the no code communities. There's a lot of no code groups out there that they can give you biased and unbiased opinions. And like, you know, Maybe it's for something specific that you need it to integrate into. And so you can ask those questions and usually they're very responsive, very quick to respond and really eager to help. Like, I can't speak for like developers in general. I think they do like talk and sit and help each other, but there's still different coding languages, but no code is kind of like, in general, I do this. How can I integrate that kind of thing? So that's a great place to you know start. 
thank you so much for all those resources, for being on the show. Um, it's been really cool to talk to you and learn about no code and your journey. So thank you so much, Alexandria. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And hopefully I didn't make everybody panic and be afraid of no code. It's actually pretty great. I hope you enjoyed this episode. No code is a great solution for any business trying to get started without spending thousands of dollars to hire developers for a custom solution. Check out the show notes for any of the resources mentioned or to connect with Alexandria. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time where we'll continue blossoming together.